This podcast takes you into the rarely discussed realm of the personal decisions leaders have taken that have influenced their business decisions and developed them into the leaders they are today. The refreshingly honest experiences of those who have been very successful provide an insight into the challenges they faced, the successes they achieved, and the people who influenced them along their journey. Here's our host, Mark Silvera. Welcome to Business Made Personal. This podcast is brought to you by the insurance industry's leading education and events provider, ANZIF, via their Careers in Insurance initiative. I'm Mark Silvera. Hey, today we have with us Stephen Nguyen, who's from AXA XL. In fact, he's the head of distribution for Australia. He's also held roles such as client and distribution leader for Asia and client management leader in Asia. Stephen has also worked at Aon as the director and outward Aon Global Client Network Manager. There's a mouthful for me, Steve. And he's also worked at Goodman and Marsh. Welcome to Business Made Personal, Steve. Thank you, Mark. It's a pleasure to be here. Industry definitely do love our titles and acronyms. So yeah, yeah I've uh, spent a fair bit of time across different firms. Yeah, absolutely. Talk to me a little bit about your background because you spent a bit of time in Asia. You spent a bit of time in Australia. You're obviously Asian by birth. Uh, well, certainly by background anyway, maybe not by birth. But give me a bit of an idea of what it was like being Steve Newen growing up and where you grew up and what was your life like at that stage? Yeah, sure. Happy to. So my family were refugees. So they moved to Australia following the Vietnam War. Growing up, I was, uh, well, I was born here in 1984. My family themselves, we had a very happy childhood growing up. It was a very large family. I had, my mum had six siblings and all we all lived in the same household. But growing up, that was very normal for me, just how we grew up. So there was always a real big sense of possibility across the household. You know, people were growing up, they were going to university or meeting new partners. So my aunties and uncles, as they left the nest, I could kind of see them go about their lives. So there was some great examples around. Myself, though, um, growing up in Australia was fantastic. Really appreciated my childhood here. So that was actually one of the reasons I decided to return from Hong Kong, because I wanted my children to have the same experience as well. But it was very idyllic. Still friends with the, my two best friends from primary school, except that life is a little bit different these days. Our discussions are less about Pokemon and a little bit more about raising the kids that we have. I want to talk to you about your upbringing. You were born here. Your parents obviously came here during some fairly tough times. Do you think that the experiences that they had gave them that positivity that sort of then flowed onto you as a result of what they've seen where things can go pear-shaped? Yeah, there was always a sense of appreciation in our household. Growing up, there's a lot of opportunity here at the moment now. They uh, very much shielded me from, you know, the experience that they went through, things like, you know, getting on a boat, leaving Vietnam. I didn't find out about a lot of that until I was a little bit older. So for me, it was just something that happened in the background. But yeah, definitely their attitude filtered through to me and it's kind of stuck with me for the rest of my life as well. I've always kind of felt like, you know, a lot is possible out there. Um, If you talk about, you know, living in a country that's very inclusive, I've always felt that. And I've also had the opportunity to work for a lot of companies that have had the same mindset as well, hence the opportunities that I've been managed to uh, stumble across through my time in the insurance industry. Yeah, I'm not a great believer in stumbling across or luck, my friend. I think that we generally make things happen. And I think you're obviously good at what you do. Otherwise, this industry is, you know, they don't suffer fools gladly, as you may or may not know. Yep, absolutely. No, to be fair, I think you, we always kind of need the presence of mind to uh, seize those opportunities as they come up. So, yeah, there's definitely a fair bit of work in the background behind it. So, so looking back on those younger years, was there 
someone who was a major influence for you in that period of your life? And what were the sort of traits that you admired in them, Steve? Yeah, sure. I mean, probably outside of my family, there's one particular person that kind of stuck out in my mind and the words that you know, that person had for me uh, have always kind of stayed with me as the years have gone on, uh, which was my year four teacher, Mr. Chin. So Andrew Chin at the time, I think you know, he knew my family situation, you know, being refugees and then English was actually my second language, even though I was born in Australia. So I didn't quite learn English until I went to preschool. You know, I caught up fairly quickly. And one thing that he always tried to do um, at the time was he knew that I loved books. So over summer, I'd go to the public library, borrow about 12 books, which I think was the limit at the time and kind of make through it during the holidays. And then he kind of picked up on that. But then even the books at school, he actually would bring in big books from home to kind of try to push me and kind of stretch the limits of, you know, my reading ability and the way I was introduced new thoughts as well. And at the time, I just thought, okay, well, he's given me another book to read. Great. But then when I look back in hindsight, there's a certain kind of conversations that we had and he would kind of try to expand my mind and ask me about the books, but, you know, my interpretation and whatnot. And for me, when I look back, it was his kindness that kind of drove him to do that, but also like, you know, just seeing potential in other people and giving me his time. Because I think, you know, even now myself, when I'm able to influence other situations and people, I think giving time is, you know, one of the greatest gifts that you can give someone. It's, it's not something that you can get back. And it's really a, a sign of commitment. It's an interesting comment you make because most children, if you ask them what they want, it's not usually the next best toy. It's often just time with the parents, right? Yeah, that's uh, weighing heavily on my shoulders at the moment as a father of two. So I've got a five-year-old and a two-year-old. And it's also made me a lot more selective in how I use my time and how much interrupt other people as well. I think, you know, when I was, before we had kids that, you know, work and it was fine, you can kind of pour all your energy into it as well. But just being mindful to actually, so actually life is pretty short when you think about it. And the years just fly by at the moment now. My kids are changing. It feels like by the day. And yeah, I want to be there for those moments where I can as well. Um, it's a yeah. lot of work kind of balancing all these things. But um, yeah, I, it's definitely a priority for me. I want to read you a couple of things. So December 2019, there's a headline. I think it was in Insurance Business Mag. AXAXL taps Stephen Nguyen to head client management in Asia, Hong Kong. March 2022, headline, AXA XL appoints new head of distribution Australia. You mentioned that, you know, you, you felt you'd sort of been lucky, but you're clearly very successful in terms of your career progression. If you were to give, and you're a young man, well, certainly you're certainly a lot younger than me, but if you were to give other young people a little bit of advice in terms of what they need to look at to advance their careers, what would you say, Steve? Things that kind of really kind of sticks with me really is being able to do your immediate job really well and just putting the right kind of approach to it in that, you know, do a job properly and understand the foundation, the mechanics, you know, why we're doing it. So you get into a position where you can either improve it, challenge it, modify it, or if you do it really well, other opportunities will open up. I mentioned a little bit earlier, I've kind of stumbled into roles. Um, there is a little bit of truth in that, in that I've never been the type of person who had like a 10-year goal. They're like, in 10 years, this is what I want to do. I've always kind of focused on doing my immediate role as well as I can. And then opportunities have just opened up. And then, you know, being able to have the awareness to seize it or put your hand up for it and belief in yourself to go for it. That's uh, been one of the key ways that I've been able to kind of progress throughout my career. And the second advice that I, I think is quite critical is actually just your mindset. When you go into it, I think having a positive attitude, not being cynical about work, this is another task, but actually going to it. And then, you know, if you can come into it with that type of mindset, 
it's amazing what you can achieve because then you mm-hmm. can really look at it from different dimensions, see where you can improve. And then it, it really rubs off as well. For me, I've always been able to know someone that when they go attack the job in a particular way and the impact it has. And even now in my role, when I deal with brokers, you know, that some of the most passionate kind of brokers out there, they really stand out as leaders straight away. And they, they all, you know, we all kind of see them about out and about. I want to talk a little bit about challenges that you faced over the years, you know, and it doesn't matter whether it's personal or business, it depends on what you're willing to share. But what would you say has been the hardest challenge that you've had to overcome in your life? I think probably, the big, and by the way, I, I believe challenges, you know, and obstacles are definitely the way to go. Just to borrow from uh, the title of Brian Holiday's book, you know, we grow through the experiences. I'd say the most challenging part for me was actually when I moved overseas. So from Australia to Thailand, where my wife was working at the time, and then over to Hong Kong. And then when I arrived in Hong Kong, I still remember that time. There was a fair bit of anxiety moving to a new country, not knowing what to expect, but also having to reestablish myself again. And because I was in a new country and with a new organization and moving away back into a broken role, at the time, I'm, you know, I'm faced amongst many. How do I? kind of basically almost restart my career at this point again, moving to a different country. And then, you know, there were a lot of eyes on me as an expat as well to see, look, you know, can you deliver or not? So at the time, that was quite challenging. And then very shortly afterwards, I was thrown into a leadership role as well. In this case, because my manager at the time left, but I was able to demonstrate enough ability that you know, the leadership team trusted me to take up a larger role from managing one, one person to a much larger team. And then I was dealing with a different dynamic of, you know, people who at the time were, you know, different age bracket to me, different stage of life, different mentality as well. And then also having to kind of the right presence to lead the team. So once we got that on board, that was, uh, it ended up being, a, you know, yes, one of my most difficult periods, but also one of the most rewarding as well. Oh, you certainly learn a lot from those sorts of experiences, but at the time it can be quite all consuming. Were you there with your children as well as your wife? Yeah, so at the time, yeah, we, we were married and we moved over to Hong Kong and my wife was traveling a fair bit for work. So I had a fair bit of time to dedicate to my career, but I should add the caveat that I did take six months off in between. So living <laughs> my life as a, as I say in Hong Kong, a Tai Tai, which is a housewife or house husband, that ended pretty quickly once uh, my wife needed a few children to pay some of the bills. But at the time, no, we didn't have children at that point. So it was a quite a carefree stage of life. I look back on it fondly. And you did mention that you've come back to Australia to raise your children here because you feel that this was the sort of life you would like to see happen for them. There's a lot of people have these sort of rose-coloured glasses about working in different countries. You've done that. Do you think it's valuable experience? Is is it very different to just being in Australia? Does it actually help your career is probably the question I want to ask you. I definitely found it accelerated my career in my experience. Do I think it's necessary? No, it's not necessary, but it gives you a different, a very different perspective to how to do things and go about business. And because you're thrown into an environment where, I mean, outside of Australia, I mean, the Asian region, actually a lot of the countries operate much closer together. There's a lot more traveling where business trip in Australia here can feel like, well, actually, it's time-wise itself, it's quite long even to get out, whereas operating in Asia, um, everyone's much more closely joined together. But to, I mean, we spoke about my children a little bit earlier. I'd recommend for them to travel overseas. One, because on the personal side, there's a lot of development. I meet people from a lot more different backgrounds in a more kind of condensed area. And you, you just have to think quick on your feet over there. And uh, you're being judged pretty quickly. And normally I do ask this question a bit earlier. In terms of how you did get into insurance, what was the catalyst for you joining the oh. uh, 
Yeah, everyone's uh my case, I was with a lot of purpose that I joined the industry. So I did a double degree and I finished the commerce part to begin with. And I was reading an article and I was starting to keep an eye out for a job. And I read an article about someone over at Aon who studied a similar degree to myself. And the person described the role of an insurance broker. I said, look, you can work in a global environment, provide advice to clients. There's a marketing aspect to it as well. So it was a very multidimensional role. And I thought that sounded pretty interesting. So I sent my CV out to... Aon and Marsh. Unfortunately, Aon said no at the time. I eventually made my way there. Um, yeah. I got a gig with uh, Brendan Rosa over at Marsh Australia. And once you did that, did you ever think that it would be the sort of industry that you now know it to be? No, I'd say industry constantly feels like it's surprising me. It's very dynamic. It's changing constantly. And the solutions that you know both brokers and carriers have are changing over time as well. We're getting new people into the industry with different ideas different purpose as well. And I mean, some things do say the same, but there's so much that's changing over mm-hmm. time as well. So for example, each year I would sit down and look at, you know, what are the conversations that we need to be having with our clients? And it changes every 18 months without a doubt. So for example, if you looked back two years ago, was ESG as prevalent on the agenda as it is now? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's accelerating quite quickly as well. And aside from that, I mean, supply chain, you know, the impact of that, it's, uh, it's, Conversations would have a very dynamic. And even when you think about things like diversity inclusion from a, an employer perspective, from a client perspective, uh, you know, cyber threat, you know, five, 10 years ago, yeah, it was there, but it was nowhere near as, as uh, prevalent as it is today, right? And it's interesting because when you speak about cyber, right, it's going to increase over time without a doubt to the extent that it will challenge PNC as the largest lines of insurance. That's our guess on our side at the moment. So you see a lot of carriers investing in that space. And you know, if you ask, look, can I get, can you put me a list of cyber insurers to hire? You know, a lot of them won't be coming from you know, traditional cyber background. We'll have to draw people from different spaces. And I think you know, that's quite exciting for our industry to know that you know, we evolve over time and there's so much opportunity. And you know, even from cyber, there'll be the consulting aspect that comes out of it as well. And there's roles on the broking and the carrier side and then the claim side. And it just, yeah, it's uh, once you think about it, the different roles emerge. It's quite hard to fathom at some point. I want to change tack with you, please, Steve. I want to talk because to me, success is as important a topic as is failures. I want to talk about a little bit about where there's been times where you mightn't have succeeded as well as you liked. And what was that challenge like for you? And what did you do with it? You know, how did you overcome it? What were your thoughts around that whole thing at the time, whatever it was? Do you have an example or something you can share with us that you think might be valuable? Yes. Something that's always kind of stuck with me up due to this uh, particular incident or failure that I had, what I felt was a failure at the time, was just time management for me because it's quite easy to put your hand up and say, look, I would love to do this project. You know, there's a, going to be an opportunity on the end of it. It'll stretch my ability and whatnot. But sometimes it's not fair to kind of take on projects that you couldn't handle or it may be a result of your capacity or bandwidth that you have or your actual ability as well. So I felt that it's something that I've had to learn over time to judge where actually I can kind of put my hand up and do something. And the reason that happened was I was working on a tender at the time for a client, uh, for a prospect, very high profile. Everyone was involved. So it was almost like a marquee kind of project at the time. But the truth was I was overloaded at that point. And I didn't put my best foot forward. And I remember when we put the tender submission and I walked away of it, I am really disappointed at myself at this point because it wasn't fair to 
kind of put my hand up. And, and I that kind of that feeling just stayed with me that I didn't do my best or I couldn't do my best at that. And it showed in the results as well. We didn't win the account at the time. So that was a big lesson for me to kind of just be a bit more mindful around how I manage my capability and my time. It's a really important one, right? Because, you know, when you're young, you think you're superhuman and that you can do anything. It's only when you stop long enough to be able to smell the roses, you go, oh, maybe I could have done that a little different or maybe I could have done that a bit, you know, maybe I should have done it at all. So it's an interesting one, isn't it? And I just couldn't really shake that feeling afterwards, that, that feeling that you didn't do it. Yeah, if you just kind of took a step back. and But we, we, we learn from these experiences. Hopefully I, we do. So I, I'm still guilty of it from time to time, but at least I'm a bit more mindful about it. <laughs> And I think that's the key. It's it's not to go in subconsciously going, yes, but actually consciously going, yes, because those are the ones that keep you awake at night and, and thrashing around in bed, right? They're the ones that you go, oh, geez, I wish I, I should have done this or I could have done that. They're, they're a tricky manoeuvre, but hey, you learnt it early on in the piece, which is an awesome thing. One thing that I've tried to work on as well, really, is not to, well, I mean, it's almost kind of a little bit aligned for my personality, but try not to worry too much as well. There's certain things that are out of your control and I, I don't want to lose sleep over things like that anymore. There's a, you know, a, two small kids waiting for me when I wake up in the morning. So I try to make sure I disconnect where I can. Yeah, I mean, as mentioned earlier about having a positive attitude, but uh, that's, I try to walk the walk on that as well. So let's talk about family for a minute. So you're a young man, you've got a couple of uh, young children, you've got a family life. How well do you think as an insurance community, we allow people to balance their work and their life? Um, from what I've seen, from the one, the organisations I've dealt with, and, you know, being in the distribution role, I speak to brokers all the time about what's happening at their firms. So it's not, I couldn't say that it's consistent across the board, but there are a lot of firms leading the way in relation to having a kind of more balanced split between work and life. But before I go into that, maybe I'll just speak about what we do at AxXL. I feel a lot of sense of empowerment to go about and do my role. So the trust is for me to go get the job done come to the office when you have to. I mean, for us, we, they call it smart working across access group, which is means that, you know, you come to the office a certain number of days, and then the rest of the time you can decide whether it's more appropriate to work from home or not. In my case, though, I pick up my kids two days per week from school. So you know, I've managed my calendar in a way in order for me to do that as well. But at the same time, there's a sense of responsibility that if I couldn't, do, if I had something pressing from work came up, then you know, I would prioritize that and make alternative plans. But um, there's trust that we have across the organisation. I think it's quite a differentiator at the moment. I feel very balanced in that I have the freedom to make these choices, to align things up in a particular way. For example, I took a call just yesterday with a colleague from the US and I was in the car at the time and I said, oh, look, mate, I've crazy couple of days with conferences and whatnot and being out late to dinner. So I really want to be in the car with the kids on the way to school this morning. I hope you don't mind. I had a seat that on the two people from the States and they said, well, and I told him before, do, do you want to reschedule the call? I said, no, it's fine. So we sat in the court on the in the car, having a conversation. They understood where I was coming from. Uh, but because it was an internal call, they understood the context behind it. Um, definitely for external calls, I wouldn't recommend that. I still think, you know, you should come prepared and presented well. So I should clarify that. No, no, I, I'd say like the, having that freedom, I feel happy when it comes to work. Look, it's the era of having kids interrupt you on a Zoom or a Teams call your pet's jumping on your lap, you know, it's just the way life is now. And, and quite frankly, I think it's a huge improvement to what it was when we had to go into the office five days a week, but that's a personal view. I wanted to ask you about your job. What would you say is the most challenging part of what you do, Steve? Yeah, look, the role itself 
is uh, very multifaceted. So in distribution, we look after broker relations, client relations, but also planning across the business. To sum it up, it's about growth as well. So we have to kind of touch on all these different points. And that in itself probably presents the largest challenge where you divert, choose to divert your resources and energy and time and dealing with different departments, different team members with different strengths as well, uh, managing all those little pieces in order to get into a position to enable business to flow through the firm on a consistent basis, to free up our underwriters' times, to ensure that they see the value that we provide as a function and to draw on the relationships the firm have in a cohesive way that so that we can present solutions to clients that really reflect the best of the firm and what we can do. So yeah, it's all about different pieces, bringing it together. That's uh, the tricky part. But if you get it, get it right, the magic is there. And what would you say is the favourite part of what you do? Favourite part? It's always kind of been, uh, for me, in my career, it's all the favourite most favorite part for me has always been working with my colleagues, the people around the office, get working together. You know, sometimes blood, sweat and tears going out there, but working together towards a certain purpose. And it kind of, you know, when you get those wins, they really do kind of sink in. You know, the way you see everyone come together, you get to see being to draw on different expertise to make something happen. So, I mean, we spoke about, you know, working in a hybrid environment really enjoy that part of the office, being able to see people and draw together to share ideas and whatnot. So working permanently from home uh, is going to work for me. Uh, luckily, I only had small instances of that during COVID, but um, as I was away in Hong Kong at the time. But uh, yeah, I'd probably go a bit mad if I had, was, uh, had a full Sydney experience. I wanted to ask you, so, you know, how many years have you now been in insurance? So I've been in insurance um, since I've started my career. So I'm an insurance lifer. Uh, so I started in. I started in 2008. That was when I first started, when I first walked through the doors of Marsh. Yeah. And I spent time on the broking side, on the client side, and on the carrier side. So I've been able to see different parts uh, of our industry. And it's amazing how it all comes together. I think everyone plays a very unique and critical role. And I actually disagree with, I mean, with people who take the view that it's kind of adversarial between carriers and brokers and the client dynamics. Actually, we're all in it together. It's just you kind of got to work out each person's spot, who brings it all together, what role they play. And I think it's holding each other to account respectfully is the way to go about it. Yeah, and that's a really good way to put it. If you were able to go back to 2008 and give some advice to young Steve, who's looking at this industry and going, yeah, I think I'm going to have a crack at it. What advice would you give him? I would say to young Steve, first of all, when I first started working, I had no dress sense whatsoever. I didn't know how to wear a suit. <laughs> Probably the first time I put on a suit when I first walked through the doors of Marsh. But I learned very quickly because there's some great examples around. They get you very polished over there by the time yeah. uh, you go through the program. I would say, I mean, it's similar to what I, w- I would recommend before, which is, you know, learn the fundamentals really well. Understand the product in order to be able to give succinct advice so that you get into a position with the client that you're an advisor as opposed to purely just selling a product. I've always seen, been the beneficiary of some fairly strong and deep relationship with clients. Once you get into that sweet spot, it's amazing. I've done that both on the carrier and the broking side. It's very rewarding because you're working in unison, you're providing value to the client. You walk away and understand my purpose and it's come to fruition. It's very rewarding once we make it happen. You tend to walk into work with a spring in your step, you enjoy what you do. So that's what I would say. Get it right. Begin into a position where you can give advice and look, keep your eyes open for opportunity. You'll find you if you're doing the right thing. Yeah. So Stephen Newen from AXA XL, Head of Distribution for Australia. I've got a couple of final questions for you if I can, sir. Sure, of course. Yeah. The first one is, 
If you were able to change one thing about our industry, what would you change? There's uh, plenty of admin that I would love to kind of scrape off the table, particularly admin, which I cannot ask someone else to take care of. But I think there is a lot of uh, inefficiency in process still that we have to get around. We talk about things to different people across the industry. There's still a lot more that we can do in respect of simplification. So one, if we do that, it takes a lot of stress off the people who have to work on, I mean, including myself, as I mentioned earlier, on these tasks so that they can focus on more positive things across the business and then express themselves in different ways. We end up growing more as professionals as we move away from more mechanical tasks to tasks that you know, tap into our creativity and our career ambitions as well. So if we can achieve that, we'll take a lot of stress out of the business. Fortunately, there's a lot of legacy systems, processes, ways of thinking that are in, pla- that are in place. So it's not a simple solution, but it's something that's worth the investment that we should be putting into it. And it's happening. We're seeing it across the industry and it's competitive build. You know, if one company doesn't do it, another one will, and then they'll get the advantage. You know, their margins will be, be larger because actually they're spending less on these inefficient processes, which gives them the edge. So over time, they'll come. But um, I just wish that we'd speed it up a little bit. I think to your point that I think that speed will be forced upon us if we're not careful, because if you look at the development in AI, if you look at the development of InsureTechs, if you look at the client, what clients expect these days, if we don't do it proactively, we will have to do it reactively. I agree with you completely on that point. I'm sure we've all started to have some encounters with AI in our current roles. For me, when I look at it, I see it as, even in its current form, you look at something like ChatGPT at the moment, it acts almost like a check for us to kind of, you know, for example, what should I look consider when I'm operating in a particular market for insurance specifically? And it'll come up with a few points. And so I, I've used it to kind of validate my thinking, oh, actually, have I thought of that? I mean, it's not perfect. The language model is still not quite there yet. But uh, it's going to free up a lot of time for us. Um, drafting, for example, in the long term, I imagine AI will take good care of that. Hopefully, it's actually going to take a lot of the more mundane tasks of our desk, be able to kind of process very simple things very quickly. So yeah, it's imminent at the moment, if not already here. Yeah, agreed. And final question for you, sir. What's next for Steve Nguyen in the next 12, 24 months? Yeah, well, 12, 24 months. I've got a, quite a fair few projects on my plate at the moment now. So it's a pretty exciting time to be at Axie Excel. I mean, there's a real big buzz around the place at the moment now. If you speak to the people that are from our team, so what do I have specifically? I want to do my current job really well, as best as possible. There's a few projects that I'm being involved in from a regional perspective to keep me very busy as well. So I can't share too much at the moment, but there's some pretty big plans coming our way that we'll be announcing to the market. So stay tuned on that front. So rest assured, I'll be doing the best to keep my work-life balance in check over the coming coming years. Brilliant. Hey, thanks so much for being with us on Business Made Personal. No, thank you. Really appreciate the conversation. Had a great time. Thank you so much for lending us your ears. Please remember to click follow on your podcast app or subscribe at bmppodcast.com.au so we can give you a sneak peek of our next guest. Until next time, I'm Mark Silvera and you've been listening to Business Made Personal.